As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. And welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. Today is September 29th. 2020. And well, we've got a new Supreme Court judge on the way. We've got election insanity taking place at rates you've never seen before. And the markets seem to be oblivious. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the markets do know better. But I'd like to know what you think. Maybe you know better too. Email us kl at kerrylutz.com. Well, our good friend is back on the show, John R. Lott Jr. And you know him well economist, uh, PhD from UCLA, and his seminal book, More Guns, Less Crime, The Biased Against Guns, and Freedomnomics. And John, it's great to have you back on. So hey, first, we're looking at Biden now. Like We won't cast any aspersions on his lack of coherence or perhaps his inability to uh, to properly structure a sentence. But from what we've read, what would a Biden presidency mean to the economy? And what would it mean to the Second Amendment? Right. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I think uh, it's going to mean a lot of radical changes. One of the biggest changes I don't think has been getting uh, attention has been the discussion by Biden and Harris and Chuck Schumer about getting rid of the filibuster. It may be an arcane Senate rule to lots of people, but it really determines what types of bills get through Congress. Um, you know, right now, uh, it requires 60 votes to pass anything. And since neither party has near 60 votes in the Senate, it requires bipartisan support. There's literally hundreds of bills that get passed by the House, uh, you know, whether Republicans are in control or Democrats are in control on pretty much party line votes. 
that go no place in the Senate because just because you can have a party line vote in the House, you know, if you can't pick up some members of the other party in the Senate, it's not going to get passed. Um, what they propose to do in getting rid of the filibuster is to make the Senate work like the House does. And so you can have straight party line votes to pass legislation. And if you have the same party control the House and the Senate and the presidency, you're going to see legislation zipping through uh, Washington like you've never seen before. You know, the first bill that Biden's promising to put up is a bill that would go and give citizenship to 22 million illegal aliens. And, um, you know, he he's promising to get rid of all the voter ID laws. Uh, you know, they want to go and give statehood to Washington, D.C. and to Puerto Rico. All these and many other changes to the process that they're talking about is really going to alter elections in the future and make it so that at least the Republican Party in its current form uh, isn't going to be able to get elected again. Um, but, it, you know, if you look at the actual bills that they're putting going to put forward on things like gun issues, then if you go to Biden's webpage, uh, the number one rule change that he wants to have there is to make it so that people can sue the gun makers and gun sellers whenever a gun is used in an accident or a suicide or a commission of a crime. Um, could you imagine, I mean, you do financial stuff. Could you imagine what would happen to the car industry uh, if they had a similar rule? I mean, you have 4.5 million people who are injured each year in traffic accidents. What would happen if each of those 4.5 million people could sue the car companies and the car uh, sellers for lost wages, pain and suffering, um, uh, you know, other types of damages that they have for being involved in an accident. We're not talking about product liability suits. We're not talking about the car company committing a crime or building a car that didn't stop properly. We're talking about cases where somebody may have been texting when they were driving and rear-ended somebody else or other types of accidents that are the fault of the drivers. Well, you know, you drive many of the car companies out of business, and if not all of them, and you would make what cars that were still around extremely expensive. And I think that's the point that they want to have with the with this bill for gun makers. And as I said, that's the first one that uh, Biden, the most important one that he wants to get passed. Um, but, you know, uh, it's just not those things. You're going to have changes in the courts. I mean, right now, if uh, Trump wanted to go and increase the number of judges on the circuit courts or on the Supreme Court, there's no way Democrats in the Senate would vote for that. And uh, given the filibuster, they couldn't get it through. Or if Obama had wanted to do that, he couldn't have gotten Republicans to go and agree to that because they just wouldn't want to go and increase the number of seats because then the president from the opposing party would be able to go and fill all those judges. Uh, well, they're going to be able to do that if they get rid of the filibuster. And just in the last week or so after Ginsburg's death, you've had, you know, for months we've been having Democrats talking about getting rid of the filibuster, but they've kind of gone into hyperdrive here talking about how they want to go and, and do that so they can go and pack the courts. And it's going to be really radical. I mean, if they go and add 
four more justices to the Supreme Court, or they go and add more circuit court judges, they're going to completely control the courts. Trump has appointed a lot of federal judges, but people have to realize how far out of whack the courts were. He's put in 53 circuit court judges, but the Democrats still control the circuit courts for 24 states in the District of Columbia, which is considered by far the second most important court because all the regulatory issues go through there. If they can go and put uh, circuit court judges there to create more slots, they would make it possible for the Democrats to control all the circuits in the country. And that would have major impacts on everything from redistricting to you know, freedom of speech type issues that we have in the country, as well as the Second Amendment. I mean, just one last point. You look at the Second Amendment there, it clearly is, separates Republican and Democratic judges. All the Democrats on the Supreme Court have said that they do not believe that there's an individual right to self-defense, that the Second Amendment only guarantees the right of the government to be able to go and own guns. Well, uh, you know, and we've had five to four decisions there saying that it is an individual right to self-defense. But, you know, you make it so the Democrats have a majority there and they go and strike down those previous precedences they're promising to do. And as Biden has just done in the last week or so, uh, you would, again, make it possible for governments to go and ban guns. That's the only thing that the Heller and McDonald decisions did was they said that the government could not go so far as to completely ban all guns or an entire type of gun. Yeah, exactly. Could not agree with you more. The the idea, well, the filibuster is not in the Constitution. It's strictly a Senate rule that's been around for over 100 years, I think. Uh, it's been around since the early 1800s. That's what I thought. And so, so they could get rid of it. In fact, any Senate really could get rid of it. And they've been chipping away at it. They got rid of it in so far as uh, using filibusters to block presidential and judicial nominees. And uh, they'll probably probably going to be gotten rid of it at some point. I guess that's one thing you can give McConnell credit for is he adhered to it because his job would have been a lot easier to get rid of it if he had gotten rid of oh, it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, during the first two years of the Trump presidency, when the Republicans had control of the House and technically control of the Senate, they had to deal with the filibuster. There are lots of things that they would have liked to have gotten through uh, during those two years that they were stopped from doing. And it would have been very different if they had agreed to get rid of the filibuster generally on bills. But, um, you know, I think it's pretty much destined that when the Democrats take over uh, the Senate again and the presidency, they're going to go and get rid of this. Uh, Harry Reid has said that uh, from talking to senators, he's convinced that uh, it's just a question of when the Democrats take control of the Senate, that they'll go and uh, and get rid of the filibuster. And uh, I think people who are moderates out there should be very afraid I mean, not just conservatives, but should be very afraid of the type of legislation that will come down. If they want to get an idea, just go and read through the Democratic platform or look through um, Biden's website uh, for the campaign and just see the long list of laws that they're going to be able to quickly pass. Oh, I know. Hey, what about the concept of putting Beto O'Rourke in charge of uh, of gun confiscation? I mean... What was, what do you think uh, he was 
Biden was thinking. I mean, this kind of madness. Well, I mean, there's a reason why Michael Bloomberg spending like six hundred million dollars on uh, on Biden in the election this year, at least. Uh, he's putting a hundred million plus into just Florida, uh, you know, t- on top of uh, paying sixteen million dollars for felons to be able to vote. And um, you know, it's it's going to make a huge difference on guns. I mean, you go through the different things. They're going to have national licensing for guns. Uh, the lawsuits that I was just saying, which by itself is going to put most, if not all, the gun makers and sellers out of business. Uh, there's no way that they're going to be able to put up with these types of lawsuits uh, for actions where they haven't committed a crime, where they haven't made a, uh, a gun that's uh, that's not operating properly. Um, you know, it's, it's going to make a huge difference. And Beto O'Rourke uh, has promised to have mandatory buybacks. And I don't think... Uh, I don't think, you know, it's hard to go and say that anything other than this this time, your right for, to self-defense is on the ballot as a, in a way that it's never been before. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about, when you've seen, uh, you know, the old saying, uh, when seconds count, the police are minutes away. But now the whole argument of the Democrats is that don't worry, the police are there to protect you. They'll be there when you need them. Everything will be fine. And then we see all these riots. The police aren't there. And it's up to you to defend yourself. And, right. and they have no explanation for this. Uh, in fact, they're the prime enablers, supporters, and co-conspirators in all these riots. This is what they wanted. And and they got it. And they're not willing to uh, denounce Black Lives Matter or Antifa. And I mean, if you ever needed your Second Amendment, it's now more than ever, right? FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Silver One Resources is an exploration and development company backed by strategic investors Eric Sprott and SSR Mining. At Silver One's Candelaria Mine Project in Nevada, there is already a historic resource estimated at 127 million ounces of silver, which Silver One is developing and advancing. The company's Phoenix Silver Project, located within the Arizona Silver Belt, is an early-stage exploration project on which native silver vein fragments have been discovered near surface. One grab sample assayed an astounding 14,688 ounces per ton. Yes, that's right. Ounces, not grams. Silver One has tremendous exploration potential, is extremely leveraged to the price of silver, and is cashed up and poised to increase shareholder value. Silver One trades in New York under the ticker SLVRF and in Toronto under the ticker SVE. To learn more, go to silverone.com. That's silverone.com. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Right. I mean, you know, even before the riots where you had COVID and police weren't responding to calls, you had in many uh, jails across the country, you had between a third and a half of inmates being released, uh, you know, half in Los Angeles and San Francisco, uh, for example. I mean, it's kind of a perfect storm for crime. And then you have uh, these riots where police have been ordered to stand down. Look, anybody who's read my academic work knows that I think police are the single most important factor for reducing crime. Uh, But police themselves 
understand that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occurred. And the question is, what should people do when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves? And there's a reason why police are extremely strong supporters of private ownership of guns. They see how important guns are to be able to go and protect themselves. And they understand that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crimes occur. And it's particularly the most vulnerable people in our society who benefit the most from owning guns, people who are relatively weaker physically and people who are most likely victims of violent crime, overwhelmingly poor blacks who live in high crime urban areas where you have this call for defunding the police. Who do they think they're hurting the most? You put the police in areas where crime rates are highest, and that tends to be in heavily minority uh, high crime urban areas. And so, you know, you you have this bizarre situation where, uh, as you say, for years they would say, call the police. And now they're saying you can't depend upon the police. You know, you have places like Minneapolis City Council where they have voted to replace the police officers with social workers. And, and, uh, uh, but the city council members have voted to spend $7,000 per week per city council member who wants it on private armed security. So they understand the benefits of having guns to be able to go and protect themselves. But it's not like they're going out and giving vouchers to people who live in the high crime parts of Minneapolis to be able to go and protect themselves. And then you have people like Michael Bloomberg, who's going out there and his groups like the Trace are going out there and calling for disarming the police because they're on the defunding the police stuff. Um, I think in part because they know that police tend to be such strong supporters on average of private ownership of guns. Um, so they've been calling for defunding the police and they've been also, uh, calling for disarming police officers. I mean, it's just a weird parallel world where somehow you think the most vulnerable people in our society are going to be safer by making it so that, uh, they can't defend themselves and don't have police there. Oh, it's, it's a total act of madness. And yeah, what you're saying I once was having a discussion with somebody and somehow it came to uh, minority neighborhoods and I said something to the effect of, yes, crime rates are higher in minority neighborhoods. I didn't say why. I didn't say anything else. And I was accused of being a racist for stating a fact. And that's the exact situation that the police and people who want law and order find yourselves in now, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, you go and look at surveys, uh, you know, the people who live in those areas really don't want the police gone. They want them there. Uh, you know, the they weird thing more. is, is how these people keep on getting elected to represent these, the you know, poor blacks who live in these areas, whether it's issues like school choice or law enforcement. Uh, you know, these guys are really doing real damage. You see these riots. These riots are tending to occur in heavily black areas. Many of the businesses that are being destroyed are owned by blacks. The people who who largely work in these areas are black. The people who go shop at these stores are largely black. You know, what are the long-term consequences? Even if 
you know, many of these businesses aren't going to return. What's going to happen to the insurance premiums for the businesses that do try to return to these areas? You know, people are going to have to travel way outside areas where they're living now yeah. in order to get jobs. You know, the long-term consequences are really going to be devastating for people that Democrats claim that they care about. Yeah. And yet, you know, we, we talk about the Minneapolis city council members there. They want to ban concealed handguns. They don't want people to be able to even have permits to be able to go and protect themselves. Now, I'll just give you a simple comparison. You look at Indiana and Illinois. Indiana, a Republican state, Illinois controlled by Democrats. In Indiana, about 19%, over 19% of the adult population has a concealed handgun permit. In Illinois, it's just 3%. There's a simple reason for that. In order to get a permit in Illinois, it costs between $400 and $450. In Indiana, you can get a five-year permit for $0 total cost. But it's more than just making it costly, having fewer people get it. It's also the mix of people who get it. In, in Democratic Illinois, you basically only have wealthy whites who live in the suburbs are the ones who get it. Well, you know, it's nice that those people have guns for protection, but they're not the ones who need it the most. They're not the ones who are most likely victims of violent crime. In Indiana, you have a lot more minorities, poor minorities, the very people who need protection the most, who are able to go and get the permits there because it's zero cost for, for getting it. Absolutely. You know, so, and, and it's not just that in Illinois, you're banned from having a permanent concealed handgun on public transportation. Uh, there are no training facilities in Chicago. So if you're a poor person, even assuming you can pay 400 to $450 to be able to go and get your permit, you have to, and you, if you don't own a car, you have to go and borrow somebody's car to travel way outside the city on multiple days to handle the 16 hours of training that you're required to have to go and get the permit there. It's kind of like they've gone through every checklist that they can think of in order to prevent the very people who need protection the most from having guns for protection. And look at Chicago, what happened there. It's all kind of shocking. And like you said, John, people who get hurt the most are the people who need it the most. People who live in the worst neighborhoods need protection. And we can only hope that there will be a bolt of lightning comes and strikes Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the whole Democratic uh, delegation and strike some sense into them. But short of that happening, I don't see it. So we only have one choice, and that's obvious. John, people want to read your work. They want to connect with you. I get so many emails when I have you on the show. Can you just tell us uh, where we should go? And uh, how we how we follow you on Twitter and such. Right. Well, our website is crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. You can sign up for our emails that we send out once every two weeks. And my newest book, uh, Gun Control Myths, uh, just came out. And uh, I put it together in order to try to deal with the issues in this election, because I really think this election is going to determine... Uh, the future of private gun ownership for self-defense in this country. And so I try to go through and talk about a lot of the claims that we see in the media that's really driving, uh, you know, lies and misinformation that's really driving uh, the debate. All right. Well, really appreciate what you do and uh, all the hard work and so much that you've done to enlighten the country and the world about 
about what uh, what this is all about and what's at stake. And anyone who wants, uh, just send me an email. We'd love to hear from you. And it's kl at kerrylutz.com. John, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for being here. Again, thank you for the hard work that you do. And I look forward to seeing what happens next. And good luck. Well, thank you for having me on. Hey, always a pleasure. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.